Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jameson Tricasso. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. If you've been here before and you love the show, do me a favor. Go give us a baller rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. In fact, we are going to start right now reading one five-star review verbatim on the Tome Show. Make me say whatever you want. Uh, just keep it clean. Remember, this is a family D&D news podcast. All right. I have a review from Matthew Wayne Stinson. As mainly a Pathfinder player, I listen to the Tome Show to keep track of what is happening with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. The Tome Show crew does a great job picking topics, expressing a variety of opinions and frames of reference on subject matter, and respecting the history of tabletop role-playing without feigned excitement or malice toward Wizards of the Coast and their competitors. In many ways, the Tome Show emulates a routine hangout session before or after a traditional game night. They have a book club of current releases, a book club for older books that inspired Gary Gygax, a D&D video game review show, DM advice, and interviews with regular guests from industry insiders such as Wolfgang Bauer, Ed Greenwood, and Robert Brooks. The Tome Show covers timely news as much as entertains with friendly banter among gamers. I would gladly recommend the Tome Show to anyone that wants to keep up to date with Dungeons and & Dragons and related topics. P.S. Beholders got nards. Thank you for that review, Matthew Wayne Stinson. Cool guy. Talk to him on Twitter all the time. All right, guys, today we have a very special Tome Show. Mike Shea of Sly Flourish is talking with us. You might know Mike from the Behind the DM Screen podcast. Uh, you might know him from this podcast. He's a regular, and he's also DM'd the Tiamat Takedown and the Tarask Takedown. He's a great dude, and he also runs SlyFlourish.com, which is a great website. If you are a DM or GM of any fantasy role-playing game, you should check out his site he's got tons of great advice for all systems and he is currently right now running a kickstarter for a book called fantastic locations that gives you at least 15 more if we hit some stretch goals locations to drop into your fantasy games you don't need any prep they're awesome he details a lot of the rooms there's a lot of flavor there it's system agnostic so it can work with DD pathfinder 13th age whatever your cup of tea is you need this book Check it out. The link is in the show notes over the tomeshow.com for the Kickstarter. Kickstarter's already funded, so you're going to get the book no matter what. Now just help us reach stretch goals, get more locations, more art. Show your support for a great dude, Mike Shea of Sly Flourish. Here's the interview. So today we have a very special roundtable podcast. I am talking with Mike Shea of Sly Flourish. He's often a panelist here on the roundtable, but today is coming to talk to us as a designer and a developer of amazing things. He is also a level 50 NPC, uh, <laughs> so look out. He can take care of Tiamat like that. Um, Mike, welcome to the roundtable today. How are you? I, I am I am very well. The, uh, at level fifty, what kind of thaco do I have? Oh, uh, like negative twelve. Wow, I think right. 
Is that good? Oh, that's, that's a good. headache. I think that's good. <laughs> that's a headache to calculate. That. Right, right. Let me get out my chart. Um, <laughs> how are you, man? Uh, you've got this great project. So tell everybody about Fantastic Locations. So Fantastic Locations is a project I've been pondering for a, a long time and actually sat down and started writing, I think, starting about a year ago. The the idea behind it is I, I tried. I always try to look at like what's what's given trouble to GMs, like what's hard. Mm-hmm. And um, lots of different parts that are typically hard are things that are well, well tread ground. So monsters, you know, designing a monster on the fly could be kind of difficult. So we have really good monster books that make sure all of our monsters are are, are good. Um, plot seeds and magic items and stuff like that are also pretty hard to come up with. But we have books like the like various dungeon master guides and game master guides that have all that sort of stuff in it. Adventures, you know, it'd be pretty hard to come up with a good detailed adventure, but mm-hmm. you can, you know, we have adventures that go back for 40 years now. Um, so there's lots and lots of adventures. And then there's lots of stuff that are pretty easy to improvise. I always, I, I, I kind of feel like NPCs are relatively easy to improvise. First of all, there's a million tools for generating NPCs. <laughs> and, and, and two, it's like, it's not hard to pick pretty much any character at any piece, piece of fiction you like and reskin them into whatever NPC you want. Totally. Um, and it's, it's, and it's, you know, pretty easy to do at the table, but coming up with really interesting places for your games to, to, to take places is, is hard to come up with on the fly. It's hard to, it's hard to improvise that and you can strip them out of adventures, but it's kind of a pain in the ass to do that too, because lots of times the adventure, the plot of the adventure and the monsters of the adventure and the locations are all kind of woven in together. They're not, you know, they're not really easy to pull out. You can do it. And you can certainly, if you've played an adventure a bunch of times, it's pretty easy to, kind of improvise a, uh, you know, change it a little bit and reskin it just like you would a monster. But I know that the thing that I had the hardest time with was that idea of interesting locations that were one level lower than what you would get in, in a campaign setting, but one level higher than what you would get in an adventure. Mm. Um, mm. And that's where the idea of, of fantastic locations came in. So, so I started off by saying, I'm just going to go write it. And um, I started writing it. I wrote, I wrote a few of them. I kind of hemmed and hawed and scratched my chin and looked at them. And then I wrote a few more and I looked at those. And I think I got about 10 or 12 and then realized that there were some things I really wish I had done originally. <laughs> so I went back and did the other ones again and then got a few more done and then said, you know, there's something else I'd really like to do with all these. And I go back again. That's what <laughs> took a year, right? So like I'd get through 14 of them before I realized that flavor text would be a really good idea. <laughs> then I'd, I'd go back and have to rewrite all of them. Or, you know, I think I was like, I think I had written them all and then looked at them and said, you know, though I read a really good article. I can't, God, I wish I could remember who wrote it. But I read an article from somebody who complained about how many adventures are written with like hundred year backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so you'll go into this room and he brought up a wonderful example, which was like, you go into this room, this room was once the, uh, you know, the main display area for a, a long ago king, uh, but has since been looted and everything outside of it, you know, has been taken already. <laughs> and you're like, so we're in an, we're in an empty room, <laughs> right? Like it, who, who cares what the hell it was used for a hundred years ago? There's nothing in it now. So, you know, I realized that like I did the exact same thing. Like I wrote a whole bunch of places that had rich history, <laughs> but, but no real hook for why anybody would be there now. So I, I had to go back and rewrite it again and say, you know, what matters to people in this place at this moment? What's here? So uh, so I went back and did that. And then so once I was, you know, once I had 15 of them done, I, I added all of the things that I liked 
and then um, felt like it was solid enough. That's when I said, okay, now now I want to start thinking. I mean, I've been thinking about a Kickstarter for it for a while, but I wanted to get the thing done, at least the first draft of it done. Well, tell tell that. people a little bit about what they what they get. So obviously, this is a Kickstarter for this book, Fantastic Locations, that you have written. What exactly is in this book? There's all these different locations that you have devised, but you know, is it just for Dungeons and Dragons? What system is it for? And when I crack open the book, how is it going to help me as a DM? Yeah, so it's 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 written for any fantasy RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could do it with Dungeons and Dragons, Thirteenth Age. You know, I, I I always had have it in mind for the game systems that I run, which is primarily Dungeons and Dragons and Thirteenth Age. Um, but I also run a system called um, Dungeons of Fate, which is my own fate accelerated hack for for dungeon delving for nice, one shot games. Nice. And um, so I'm pretty familiar with fate, and uh, you know, and I've played Pathfinder and games like that. And there's no reason that this wouldn't work with those with other games as well. Dungeon World, any of the any of the fantasy RPGs, I think will will won't have too much trouble with these. Um, I had there's a little part in the back of my mind that said, mm, "What about Numenera? You know, what about like a science fantasy setting?" And you could, but you'd have to stretch it pretty far. Mm, you know, the, mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't write details for for fantasy for for science fantasy, so you know they're going to feel like fantasy locations. But you know, a crafty Numenera GM would be able to wrap some cybernetic, you know, junk to it, and and turn these things into into science fantasy. I think I don't think it would be too hard. Nice, um, nice. But I really, but I really kind of focused on 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 fantasy stuff. So it is system agnostic. There's no stat block. So I'll kind of talk about what you don't get, mm-hmm. right? And and what you, <laughs> you what you don't get is you don't get monsters. Right, mm-hmm. because the, the the assumption is we have lots of monsters we can use, and we're constantly getting more. You know, we have for for like fifth edition D anD D, we have the monster manual, and um, you know, the Tome of Beasts will be coming out not too far, and then we'll have like nine hundred monsters for fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't need more monsters. Uh, it doesn't have uh, adventures built into it. There's a million hooks in it, um, but there's there's no specific adventures. Your you know your party is going to go to X and Y and Z. The my assumption is that GMs like to build their own adventures, or they like to have adventures sort of flow out of the the, the game that they're playing. And why write all that into something like this? I mean, that's basically what you get in a published adventure. Right. Um, so I wanted to leave it open so that you can, you know, you could basically take your MacGuffin or, or have your kidnapped, you know, your kidnapped prince or whatever and throw them into one of these places. And now you've got this rich setting sitting around the story that you came up with. The, the base Kickstarter, assuming that we, um, we A, are funded and B, don't get, um, <laughs> you know, don't go to the full length. You know, everybody will get 15 locations, uh, 15 specific places. Uh, there'll be at least one piece of artwork. There'll be one piece of artwork for every place. Brian Patterson, who does D20 Monkey, um, is doing all the internal artwork. Every location has uh, a main description, uh, and the Kickstarter uh, will have a sample uh, called the Ziggurat of the Doom Priests, which is uh, the first, the first one, and probably the one that I've gone over the most. So it has like a main. So, so the, you know, if you want to know for sure, go 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 take a look, and that shows exactly what comes with each of the locations. Totally, and we will link that, of course, in the show notes for this episode over at thetomeshow.com, and the link to the Kickstarter itself, so people can go ahead and grab that. Right, right, yeah, that'd be great. So, so each one has sort of an overall look. With and that does have a little bit of history, but the history tries to focus on things you might run into or things you might see. I I, I made heavy use of flavor text, which may be controversial because some people really don't like read aloud read aloud text. Uh, but my reason for that is I want people to be able to grab this before, you know, five minutes before a game and run it and not have to think too hard. 
Oh, that's amazing. So, so the intent is that you don't have to study it ahead of time. You can't say like, oh, you guys, you know, if you're, if your adventure, you know, if your, if your group goes left when you were expecting it to go right, pull out this book, roll a D20, see which one of these locations they run into and then start reading the flavor text. And then fill, you know, I, I, my, my feeling, my goal was that people could improvise an entire game with one of these, a monster manual and, you know, some stories that either they've got or that come out of the group. Um, so I, so I did make heavy use of, of, um, flavor text and read aloud text. Um, there are some people who hate it. There's some people who, you know, don't want to read aloud their, their stuff. They like to, they like to read about a location and then come up with their own. And that's absolutely fine. And I would hope that the read aloud text lets them do that as well. Totally. Totally. Um, and, and in each location does sort of have, here's the stuff that you're, that the PCs would see. And then here's a little bit of background about what else was going on in this room, which kind of gives the DM some, um, uh, uh, some ideas about what's in there. Uh, and then one other, uh, thing that I have for each location and for each of the sub locations is this idea called area aspect. This is something I took directly from fate. And the idea was, you know, these are like keywords that, you know, if you want to know what, what are the main things in this that I have to care about, you can just read these like, you know, three things. And that tells you stuff that's in the area and stuff that the PCs will either interact with or could interact with or may hose up their day. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, So that again is to try to make it really easy to pop these in, pop these in place and and use them really easily. Yeah. And what's really cool about this is you can see in the preview chapter, you break down the main areas of each structure, right? So while there may not be a, a dungeon map, to go with everything because that's a little too prescriptive, right? Um, you do have this like, hey, here are the areas of interest. Here's what's in each of those areas of interest. And here's, you know, different ways you can modify it to fit your game. So, you know, maybe you want uh, constructs and undead in this one. Or you could run it with various demons and nomads or, or magical beings and outsiders, you know, that kind of thing. Um, all of these suggestions that really help not just guide you if you do grab this and the players go off the rails and you think, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Uh, or you had a busy week, right, and and have no time to prepare for your game. This is great for the lazy dungeon master. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> you're the hardest working lazy dungeon master there is, uh, for sure. Um, but it's also great for inspiring ideas, too. So, uh, you know, yes, you could you could go through this. You could run it almost like an adventure if you wanted to. Um, but you can also really say like, oh, you know what would be cool? If we have demons in here, what if devils are on the other side of the temple and there's a little war going on yeah. that the adventurers walk into or that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few places where I wrote I wrote in those those exact kind of hooks like, hey, you know, here's this, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at one right now. I think this is the second one called The Structure in the Ice. Mm. And it's got a design note. The Structure in the Ice is this this crazy you know, ancient structure. Is it an alien ship? Is it a, you know, a giant temple? Whatever it is, it's like a million years old and it's been buried under the ice for all that time. And uh, one of them is, is you know, that it, it has its own science. So the design note is like fitting the structure into your own science. And the idea is that it has this sort of scientific and, and science fiction-y sort of feel to it. Then that may not work well in your fantasy game. So instead it could be any of these things or, you know, come up with something on your own. Oh. And and all throughout, there's these like di- design little design hooks. You know, I think there's one place where like there's an old book on a pedestal, and my that was maybe it's not there, <laughs> or maybe maybe somebody stole it and the guy's right there stealing it, or you know maybe it is still there. You know, like 
like any anything could kind of happen based on 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 what's there and and I tried to write in for 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 certain ones I tried to d- write in design design tips that kind of give people some inspiration on on wh- how they could use it but then there's many you know I I'm, my hope is that they'll do it with all of them Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so cool. Uh, all of these little notes, and it's just—it's essentially a book of awesome ideas. And this is for me as a DM. I think you've mentioned this already, right? We we have so many monsters. We have adventures upon adventures that we can draw from. We have, uh, you know, NPC generators. If you type that in line, you know, the thousands <laughs> of things will come up. But this. Book is a thing that we really need. It's a way to build a great location on the fly, and the ideas are so awesome that it's not like, oh, well, you know, I've used the structure in the ice once, and now I can't use it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you could come back to this structure, run it a completely different way, using just ideas that are here in the book, and and you've got something totally different, which is amazing. It feels like... You know, um, this is just one of those things that now you need and you'll carry it around with you and it helps you feel more assured, more prepared. And uh, like when I uh, was reading through some of the various locations, full disclosure, Mike sent me the rough draft and it is amazing. Um, (laughs) uh, When I was reading through, I was like, wow, you could really make a whole campaign arc with these, and I bet if you had two DMs use these to make full campaign arcs, you know, like a level at each location or that kind of thing, you would have two completely different stories with fifteen completely different locations in each adventure, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, that's that's you know that's exactly my hope. People carry around, use what they want. I actually tried to, you know, I thought about the idea of like, could you do a campaign arc that was basically just going through these fifteen locations? And I suppose you could. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope, you know, I'd love to see small campaign arcs that take place in one location. Totally. You know, yeah. I, 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 I tried to build them so that they're not, they're not like a four hour session. I mean, you know, my hope was that they could be any location could be anything from an hour long encounter in a weird place to, you know, 20 weeks worth of exploring mm-hmm. to, to, to find, to find it. I always like this idea that every dungeon you run into is a mega dungeon. Like every dungeon just kind of goes on forever. And, you know, you can, you can extend them however you want. And I, and I, I had hoped, and I think, I think throughout this, I have sort of areas where it says like, you know, it kind of leaves these big open areas, like these caverns go, you know, deep into the mountains and no one has ever found out how far they go. Or, you know, this well leads into to realms that seem to be outside of the, you know, outside the bounds of our mortal world. And, and that way they sort of extend, you know, indefinitely in multiple directions. Oh. And then, and then, hopefully, a GM can say, "And oh, I've got this great idea for this thing I want to throw in there." Right? You know, they can again sort of expand on these however they want. Yeah, the the malleability of these locations is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really can go from one to the next. Uh, you know, like you said, they they go on forever in some cases. So you could have the tunnels of one connect to you know the lava vents of another and that kind of thing. Uh, it would be really really awesome uh, to to see how people are going to use this or. They're so sort of rich in their flavor and story ideas. You could say like, well, so what's what's the community like that's, you know, a few miles outside of this crazy location? Mm-hmm. Or or what are, what are the weird worshipers of the ziggurats of the Doom Priest doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just, I think it's amazing what you've really done here. So when you were designing this, what did it take to create locations that were this malleable um 
to make them malleable. So, so I think sort of the, the initial design had that sort of built in the idea that like, I wasn't going to draw out a map of each place, um, which, you know, again, that, the, that there's a lot of risks, frankly, in, in this design. <laughs> and, and there's a little part of me that says like, wow, people are going to hate this. <laughs> you know, like people are going to go like, where the, oh, you know, where's, I don't know where any of this stuff is. And <laughs> You know, I mean, it could be, I mean, I, I tried to, I tried to aim for something that doesn't really exist or, I don't know, you know, it's always hard to say it doesn't exist. I bet RPG now probably has about 50 of these, but, um, you know, I tried to, I tried to, to fit it into a niche that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that hasn't been around really. And there might be a good reason why that's not around. <laughs> you know, like, it might be that this, you know, this isn't really that helpful, but I think it is right. I like, I, and, and my, my gauge is a, I, I, I sent it to a bunch of people that I trust and, mm-hmm. um, and they, you know, they, they resonated with it. I got a lot of good feedback about, about what to do with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like keeping the design modular really came down to the structure of how each of these is written. And it's like, you know, so what's the main place and, and what's the background on that? And then what do each of the locations you know, what are each of the interesting locations and what makes them interesting? And that idea that I kind of had to come up with like three area aspects for every place kind of told me what makes this place interesting. And, and it, it, it forced, you know, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have a slight flourish article about how to, how to do this. Um, but it, it kind of forced me to, to make sure that each one of the things had sort of these unique functions that made it, you know, made it special in the world and made it something that hopefully is interesting to play. I have to say, I really think that this, for me, particularly over the last several years, is where I have a lot of trouble uh, DMing, is that I can't think of a location that we haven't already been through or isn't stolen from something else. Um, Is that sort of where you came from? Because I feel like after DMing for years and years and years, it's kind of like, oh man, are we back to like a... One of these dungeons, or do yeah. I do I pull out this sewers, map? Right? How yeah. many sewers can you get into? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's exactly right. That's why that's why it exists. Is that 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 sort of stuff is pretty tough to just you know pull out of a hat, and and it's really you know we do it all the time. We always fall back to our stereotypes, so we fall back to our cliches. And there's there's part of it, and and uh, our very own Jeff Greiner uh, mentioned this when I showed him an early draft of this. Uh, said you know hey wow like another crazy pyramid with mummies and stuff in it. Right. And yeah, he hit on a good point, which is that I, I tried, you know, I want these to be really interesting and unique, but they also kind of have to fit the tropes. Right. You know, that if they're too crazy, like the, the structure under the ice is probably, you know, there's there's one or two that are like that, where they, they are almost are, are outside of the bounds of what you would expect in a fantasy RPG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could just barely fit in it. But generally speaking, I tried to say like, OK, well you know, we, we want an underground, what would an underground monster city look like? You know, well, we have, I mean, now we have Gracklestug in Out of the Abyss and we had Skullport, you know, before. So there are such things like that. You know, I, I did try to build it saying like, well, if I was going to run Skullport or something like Skullport, but I might want to run in a different world, what would that be like? And and what would be some interesting locations of Skullport? And I could go buy the Skullport PDF and read through it, but it's got, you know, <laughs> nine nine thousand pages about the the history, right? So I totally I wanted to keep it, you know, pretty fresh and easy to use. So some of them kind of fit clear, you know, clear known, you know, ideas about what a dungeon is like. Um, but then try to steer it so that it's a little bit more interesting and unique than what we would typically have. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about what people get if they contribute to this Kickstarter because I would like to see 
everybody coming and contributing to this uh, to the point where you have so many stretch goals, you have to keep adding locations. Uh, so I get more and more locations for the uh, right. so for, to, for, for my buck. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm one guy, and uh-huh. I don't I don't have a giant a giant pile of people, um, but I do have a, a you know a bunch of people that I've worked with in the past. Uh, that I like very much and that can do some really great things. So, so that's where the team for this comes from. That's awesome. Who's um, on it? Who's on it? So, uh, uh, Brian Patterson, who I mentioned before, amazing artist. Yeah. Uh, he's doing all of the internal art for it, uh, which is going to be a, a, a crazy big job. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's 15, 15 pieces. Yeah. He has the artwork for the ziggurat of the doom priests already in it. That's the black and white version. Um, I don't have a color version yet, but I'm hoping that we will reach the color version through the stretch goals. Eric Nowak, who is a uh, a guy I know here in the DC area, mm-hmm. uh, he did he's done a bunch of di- different design work for a bunch of different RPG things, but he also did the design work for two of my other books, uh, Aeon Wave and The Lazy Dungeon Master, and he's uh-huh. fantastic and he's great to work with. And he he did the design uh, and the design of it you can see in the sample chapter, you know. So I tried to make the sample chapter as close to what you would get in the book as possible. Um, and, and, uh, his, you know, all of his design in there is great. And I just, I just love it. I saw it and I was just, you know, oh yeah couldn't be happier. And, uh, Scott Fitzgerald Gray, who is a designer and editor for a lot of different D&D products. Uh, his credits are throughout, you know, probably the last five years worth of D&D things. Uh, he, I worked with him on, uh, Vault of the Dracolich, the big D&D adventure a year ago. And, um, he is doing the editing for this. Nice. And, oh, Oh, it's so awesome working with him. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I sent just, you know, he helped me edit the Kickstarter, uh, uh, the, the text for the Kickstarter. Mm. And I sent it out to, like, four different people and said, hey, I'd love to, you know, if you could give this a read through, it'd be great. And and I got a lot of people back saying, oh, yeah, no, this is great. I like what you got here. And this is exciting. And, that you know, a couple of good suggestions. And then I got it back from him. And it was, like, this crazy red edit, you know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is exactly what I need. Because you know? it was all... I mean, it was just fantastic stuff. The level of detail he brings is is really amazing, and and you know, I've worked with a handful of really fantastic editors mm-hmm. uh, in my life, and you you can really see a difference between <laughs> somebody <laughs> somebody who's a real pro and he's a real pro. So it's gonna it's really gonna help. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, and and the cover itself um, was done by Guido Quip, uh, who does a bunch of different D and D art. Uh, you know, he he did art for um, Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, a lot of it. And actually it was Horde of the Dragon Queen. It was the, the picture that he had done of uh, Castle Naritar in there where I said, oh, that's exactly the kind of art I want for this. Nice. Um, so I, yeah, I worked with him over the summer to come up with a cover with a cover for it. And, and the cover is done and it's right on the Kickstarter page and, and I could be happier. I, it's the, it's the screenshot on my cell phone. <laughs> just, I just love it. Oh, and it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. And it in itself is a very fantastic location that is right there. On yeah, the cover. right. That's the, the dwarven, the, the red mines. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Crazy dwarves drug too deep. <laughs> um, so what do you get? Yeah, so the Kickstarter mm-hmm. goals, I, you know, I, I run, I've only run one Kickstarter before. That was the Aeon Wave Kickstarter. And, um, uh, I run, you know, my Kickstarters, I run small. I don't, I don't have a lot of giant, juicy goals and and you know everything and, and the main reason is why is because i want to get it in people's hands right i don't want anything to get in the way of me being able to produce and with a small project like this if you go too crazy with the stretch goals um it can it can eat you 
Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that I that I really, you know, through funding, you know, I think I've funded how many different Kickstarters now? It says on my little icon page here. Uh, I've backed over 50 Kickstarters and I've watched lots of them and I've paid lots of attention to how they work. I read Monty Cook's book about kickstarting Numenera mm. and um, and I kickstarted Aeon Wave. So I have that experience with a small Kickstarter. And, um, you know, the, the, the thing that I kind of held, you know, an interesting philosophy that I sort of discovered through this is that money is usually not the limiting factor. Right. You know, we like to think that money is what, you know, if only I had the money, I could make all this stuff. And that might be true if you have like a million dollars. But, you know, if you're sitting on and, and I have serious doubts that 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 uh, this will make this. But like, let's say you had a Kickstarter and you made fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's not enough to really quit your job. Right. Right. And, right. It's, and it's not going to add more hours into your day where you're doing other things. And it's not going to make sure that all of your artists, you know, continue stay, to stay motivated when they're doing 50 pieces of art. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, and, and like everybody's got schedules. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much energy that anybody can apply. And all of that is is a big limiting factor. And, and usually money is not it. Like money, you know, th- there's a certain amount of money I need for this. And, and anything more than that would be nice, but it's not going to it's not going to change. You know, it can't change the product that much. Wow. Uh, so, I, so I tried to stay conservative with the with the stretch goals. I do have stretch goals. Totally. And uh, the first the first three are about taking the fifteen pieces of black. You know, to me, the baseline book, the book, in order to be good, uh, it really needs one good solid piece of artwork for every one of the locations. And and the reason for that is I want the artwork to not just be something to help a DM get an idea, but I also want them to use it as a show them to players to say like, here's you know, here's what this place looks like. Oh, yeah. the best. Those yeah, are great. I want them to serve double duty mm-hmm. as much as possible. It might be, it might be tough if I'm doing a big detailed set, you might not say here, here's this entire, here's the whole thing. <laughs> um, so the first three uh, stretch goals, uh, which are 4,500. So the base kickstart is 3,500. That's, that's how much I need in order to pay for the editing of the art, uh, uh, the editing of the art and the, and the design. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, and at, that still doesn't pay for my, for my words. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I won't go broke. <laughs> and uh, uh, so the first uh, four stretch goals are 4,500, 5,500, and 6,500. And those stretch goals, those are for each of the five, you know, each one of those increases the amount of color art by five. So uh, if all three of those stretch goals are met, then all of the artwork in the book will be full color rather than black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and then jumping up to 8,500 is kind of the, the big one. Um, and at that point, uh, we'll increase the total amount of locations by five and increase the, and, and add color art for all five of those locations. Wow. So, so to me, like 30, you know, 3,500, if I get that, it's going to be a good book. I'm I'll, it's one I, I'll love. It's one I already love. It's one I can't wait to, to, to have on my table and to use. Uh, and black and white art is great. You know, we use black and white art for lots of things. Um, but boy, it'll be really, you know, if we could get that 8,500 goal and we get 20 locations instead of 15, uh, two of which I've, so one of them I've already wrote, uh, I have seeds for 10 more, but, and then there's a top five after a nice long walk with my wife yesterday, we came up with which of the five of those 10 that are worth really doing. So, so I probably have those five already, you know, (laughs) they're already, they're already working together, but boy, yeah, if we hit that 8,500 goal and we can have 20 pieces of full color art and 20 locations in that book, it'll be a really outstanding book. And then, you know, and then there's like, oh, well, shoot, you know, could we do more? And I, you know, I hemmed and hawed, I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know, you know, I don't have anything beyond that. I mean, I guess the only, the only thing this is, you know, this is an exclusive here because I'm going to think about it elsewhere, um, <laughs> is, you know, maybe a second book. What? Like, 
Yeah. So like if it, you know, let's just say it was just crazy mass success and I don't, I don't know. I'm really hoping to hit 3,500. So, um, but I do worry like, oh my God, what if there's, what if it goes way higher than 8,500? Everyone's like, where the hell are your stretch goals? <laughs> then, then, you know, I think what I would try to do, and then again, this gets back to what's most important to me is delivering. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. You know, I, I, all of it is great, but what matters to me the most is that this thing gets out the door. Well, so anything beyond 8,500 may go towards another book. And that way everyone would get their first book. They get it exactly at the same pace that I'm expecting they would get it. And then, and then, you know, maybe, maybe if, you know, if the, if the, if the thing just explodes, then that could go towards uh, perhaps funding a second book, but that's, you know, that gets into a danger zone because I don't have any of that lined up. Right, right, exactly. Well, and that would be, you know, you could always set that as a stretch goals don't have to come in every $2,000 or in set increments. You could just say, all right, dollars. That's pretty much what it takes. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it it, it takes a lot to make one of these. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in order for artists and writers and editors and designers to all be paid and to be paid at the the industry rate, um, you know, it takes, it takes a, a kind of a surprising amount of money. Yeah. Um, so there's no, you know, like that, I, I, I put out a big spreadsheet and said, okay, what is it, you know, what will it take? And, and, and 8,500 is when I'm fully paid, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm paid little bits, you know, with each of the stretch goals, but, uh, like the first one is, is essentially no, no money to me. And, and of course I would have the book. So the book, <laughs> hopefully the book will sell after that. And every dime that I make from that is, is money that is coming to me. Well, you're, I, let's just say this, that one, you're a great person. You're paying your people first, you know, which right. is a good thing. And your, your main concern is delivering to your consumers, which also means <laughs> that you're a good person. This is a true passion project. You're writing this because this is something you wanted to see in the world and now you're saying hey other people do you want to see it? you have the rough draft like you're you're fine uh so you're sharing it now with other people which is amazing right. um and i thank you for it because like i said it's going to solve a big problem for me what do people need to pay at the various backer levels uh to be able to get their hands on this uh what well, at one dollar you get a, a a good solid thank you um, <laughs> Fifteen dollars is uh, the PDF. The PDF of the book. Wow, um, that's awesome. That's a dollar per location. Dollar that you per can location, use over and the, over again. That was what I was going for. <laughs> generally a dollar. And maybe less. You know, if we get to the full, you know, if we get to eighty five hundred, you might be. Uh, oh yeah. Getting even a better deal. You get twenty locations for fifteen. <laughs> there um, you go. And, and again, you know, it could be fifteen dollars for full color art and everything like that. Um, so $20, uh, is the PDF of the book and the PDF of a thing I'm calling the, the handouts. And what we're going to do is take all of the artwork that's in the book and make full page eight and a half by 11, uh, copies of them and put it together in another PDF. Uh, that one would be perfect for either printing out on your own, uh, or, you know, putting on an iPad or something like that. And that way you have these, these, these show you know, that you can either use them as a map or, or anything like that. And, and yeah, I think, you know, the intent of the art, I've, I've only done one piece of the art, but you know, I, the intent is really that at least at some point when you're running that adventure, you'd have an opportunity to be able to show it to the players. Nice. nice. Uh, and then uh, 25 bucks is where you start to get into um, uh, getting a deal on the soft cover books. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I really think that this will make a fantastic soft cover book to me that that's that's how I want it. And one way with a small print like this, uh, it's a lot harder to do full distribution and say like, you know, you pay whatever it is, 30, 30 or 35 bucks, and then I'll send it to you. 
Um, again, in order to make sure that delivery is as fast as possible, the way it works is you pay $25 and then you can buy the hard copies at cost from RPG now. Nice. Um, At cost. At cost. So that, you know, you have to pay shipping and you have to pay for the printing. Um, but it's pretty low. Like I did it for Aeon Wave and I think it was like $6 for Aeon Wave and shipping. It was, it was really low. And, um, so my, my assumption is that it's somewhere between five and 10 bucks is the actual cost. And then, uh, you know, that's on top of the pledge. And if you were to buy it all, you know, after, you know, after the Kickstarter, it would certainly cost more than that. Right. Right. Of course it would. Well, and that's the other thing is I think a lot of Kickstarters, when you go in and you're you're like, you know, I want the hardcover and I want the PDF and I want this and that and the other thing. Grand total, that can cost somewhere between 50, 100 bucks for your, your backer uh, donation. Um, and the fact that you pay 25 and then might pay another, even if it's $10 for the, for the print book, you'll have the PDF, you'll have the handouts, you can start with it right away. And then you'll get the book all for 35 bucks. That's crazy. That's yeah, just, so the, I think a deal. The, the highest, yeah. My my guess is that, and you know, uh, I'm going to get sued. Um, <laughs> my, my 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 guess is that the highest cost this would be is if we get all 20 locations, they're all in color, and you want the PDF of both books and the the soft cover versions of both books in color, uh, mm-hmm. would probably run about 45 bucks. Yeah, um, about probably less because you get shipped shipped together. So it'd probably be about 15 bucks for the you know at, at cost because you're getting full color printing for the for the books. What did I say? About forty bucks, I think, gets everything. Nice. And and I tried to, you know, I tried to make sure that's a good value. Like I, I want, I want people to feel like they got their money's worth from this. And I know, again, I kind of, I really thought hard about, like, is that what I would pay? And I'm like, yeah, I would. You know, I want it. <laughs> I want it really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I wrote it. I. I want it <laughs> so if if people are interested, we, I'm, I can hear them now through the waves of the podcast. They're running to their their computers and stuff, and they're they oh, want to donate they would they want to back this kickstarter uh where can they go what should they do uh go to kickstarter and do a search for fantastic locations and mm-hmm. you should be able to pick it up <laughs> it's the site's not actually on as of this recording so i'm not sure um, <laughs> i will certainly be tweeting about it quite a bit on twitter um my slide flourish article on monday uh is going to be about this kickstarter Excellent. Uh, so, you know, go to the Sly Flourish homepage and you'll see it there. I'm, I'm going to put a little sidebar on the Sly Flourish homepage as well. That'll have a picture of the artwork and you click on it and you get, you'll get to the Kickstarter. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And people can follow you, of course, at Sly Flourish on Twitter. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's the thing to do. If you listen to this podcast with any sort of frequency, I'm sure you've heard Mike many, many times. He's on behind the DM screen. Uh, you know, he's on the roundtable regularly. He reviews stuff. He's part of Team Demi Lich. Uh, or Team Flump, depending oh. on uh, <laughs> uh, which one of us you ask. So, uh, man, what else should people know? Is there anything we've forgotten to cover? I don't. I don't think so. I think we we, we covered quite a bit. I think my hope, you know, there's a Kickstarter video where I go into more. Although I think I covered a lot of that here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my hope is that people will check out the the, the sample, and uh, the sample doesn't just have one location; it also has the full introduction to the book, which discusses the philosophy of why this book exists and where it fits and how it works. And you know, my hope from that is people will read that and decide if it's the right thing for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's system neutral, so no matter what you're playing, check it out. And if you're playing multiple systems, again, more bang for your buck. You get a book that you can use across all of them, um, you know, which is a, a great thing. 13th Age, Pathfinder, D&D, no matter what edition you're playing, uh, go check it out. Um, you know, look at the art for this thing because it's amazing. Look at the sample chapter um, and be amazed. And hell, you know, 
download the sample chapter, play your next session with it, and uh, see how awesome it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I'm running my first 13th Age, uh, a new 13th Age game starting this Wednesday. Mm, um, nice. And already I said, oh, I definitely know where I'm setting it. It's in one of the, you know, it's starting in one of the rooms in one of the locations. And it's actually starting halfway into it. So it's not like, again, the design is not so that you have to start at the beginning and go to the end. You can pick any one of these rooms. Hell, you can only pick one room and just say, that's it. That's the only one room I want to run. <laughs> and that's uh, just kind of what I'm doing. I think I'm picking like maybe two, two rooms in a hallway location so awesome i love that you can do that with this you can really have a mega dungeon or hey you only got two hours here's a couple of rooms string them together and uh make an awesome story so i am a hundred percent on board with this product uh, people should go check it out mike thank you so much for coming oh, on you. the round table today oh no no the pleasure is all mine all right, people, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. And check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Tons and tons of free 5th edition resources for your game over there. Monsters, adventures, magic items, spells, backgrounds. It's got the whole deal. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Mike Shea for being on the show and for everything that he does for the Tome Show. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. And to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com before you shop on D&D Classics or Amazon to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate The Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.